morning again. Welcome to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us here this morning. A critic once observed that while technological advances, quote, may make the country feel more like one neighborhood, it is a peculiar neighborhood, populated by strangers who know nothing but the most superficial facts about each other. That's how many of us may feel about social media. We often hear that we should be more in touch with the world around us and the people around us than ever before. And yet we still find ourselves starving for deep, meaningful relationships. But that critic from a moment ago wasn't speaking about social media. It was Henry David Thoreau speaking in 1854 about the invention of the telegraph. If Thoreau worried that the telegraph would give us a shallow, counterfeit sense of connection and community, just imagine what he might think of things like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, there's no denying that for better or for worse, social media has changed our lives. Even if you don't have a single account, you're not exempt from its effects. At the very least, it's changed the world that you live in, and it's changed the people who you interact with. Social media's seismic impact has been felt in two primary areas of life, community and communication. And while the Bible says nothing specific about social media, it says quite a bit about community and communication. So in that light, how might God's word shape, challenge, and guide our expectations of, our thoughts on, and our use of social media as believers in Jesus? Let's open to Colossians chapter 3. Feel free to use our Bibles here if you didn't bring one, and take a Bible home if you don't own one. But before we go further, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that we can gather in this place, that we can hear from your word, that we can sing songs for your glory and for our benefit as well, our upbuilding, our encouragement. Lord, thank you that we have brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Many of us come into church this Sunday with burdens and weights and stressors and may feel alone. But I pray that Sunday would Sunday morning would remind us that we are not alone, that we do have a family in Christ, that we are part of your body and that we can call you our father. Uh, No matter the ups and downs, no matter what circumstances we're coming out of, you are our father. And for that, we thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his body and blood on the cross shed for our sins. And Lord, thank you for his resurrection, that the cross was not the end of the story. And Lord, thank you for your spirit, that we are indwelt by your spirit, guided by your spirit to live lives that honor you. I pray that you would help us do that more and more every day until Jesus returns. And Lord, again, thank you for this opportunity to worship you. In some ways, it's just one Sunday among others, but Lord, at the same time, help us not take this Sunday or any other Sunday for granted. 
Let this morning and let our entire lives be an act of worship for you. We love you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. These days, it's easy to pin all of the world's ills on the plague of social media. People unable to have face-to-face conversations. Blame social media. Declining self-esteem and increasing anxiety among children and teenagers, especially girls. Blame social media. Toxic, misinformed, and unproductive political discourse. Blame social media. An inappropriate level of distrust of institutions necessary for human flourishing. Blame social media. Shrinking attention spans. Blame social media. It's easy and it's tempting to demonize social media. It has real problems. And it may be at least partly responsible for some extremely harmful recent developments. But it can't be all bad, can it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with seeing pictures of your cousin's new baby from the other side of the country, staying in touch with a friend from high school who lives far away, discovering a local small business that you didn't know existed, keeping up on important news, or simply enjoying a funny video involving a cat. None of that does any damage, right? Well, the answer is probably not. But can social media do more than that? Namely, can social media live up to its grand goals of providing deeper community and stronger communication for people like us? The answer to that must be a resounding no. Numerous studies have linked extensive use of social media to increased likelihood of depression, suicide, and even physical problems like insomnia, macular degeneration, and attention deficit disorders. And while companies like Facebook may say they exist for the sake of community and communication, the billions of dollars of profit they get from advertising may also be a small factor. The point is that social media can be good for some things. Baby pictures, staying in touch with people, funny videos, but it can't replicate the community and the communication you get within a family, within a neighborhood, or even within a local coffee shop or pub. And if it can't truly replicate those things, then it definitely can't replicate the church. Scripture gives us a beautiful, multifaceted image of Christian community. You might say it starts with the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, the community of people in a covenant with the God who delivered them from Egyptian slavery by his grace. This community was held together not just by biological ties or common experience. It featured laws, responsibilities, expectations of how to love, serve, and treat one another with dignity and justice. And if those were not met, there were real consequences. 
And while the people of Israel were called to stick out from the surrounding nations, this community was also meant to shine like a light among the nations, to invite them into the same relationship with God that they had. This community of God's people continues in the New Testament, namely the church. It was populated by both Jews and Gentiles. Its people all believed in Jesus as Savior and Lord, the one who delivered them from slavery to sin through his death and resurrection. It was a community led and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And this community also featured laws, responsibilities, expectations of how to love, serve, and treat one another as siblings in Christ. And if those were not met, there were real consequences. And while the church is called to stick out from the surrounding world, this community of God's people is also meant to shine like a light in the world and to invite people into the same relationship with God that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. But to get a practical look at this community, turn to Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes there, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what are the most obvious, most basic characteristics of this Christian community? Well, first and foremost, the Christian community is physical. It's physical. One theologian wrote that the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And for most Christians throughout history, physical community was the only community you had. Sure, Christians from the past could communicate with and visit people far away, but it was a lot slower, more expensive, and more dangerous then than it is now. For better or for worse, it was a community limited by geography. Physical presence was the only show in town. Meanwhile, social media tells us that you don't have to be in someone's physical presence to be in community with them. And in some ways, that's not all bad. 
It's great that people who are traveling, people who are sick, people who are dealing with chronic illnesses can still participate in our Sunday morning services in some capacity when they can't be here. That's great. But this is not all good either. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that while technology and social media can provide some sense of digital community, it can't replace the real physical thing. The Christian community is physical. Second, the Christian community is diverse. There were old and young Slave and free, male and female, married and single, rich and poor in this church. These people were united under the same Lord, worshiping the same Messiah, even though they had significant differences in all kinds of other areas of life. It was far more than just a niche group with common interests or shared hobbies. Social media, on the other hand tends to steer us towards those who are like us. It becomes easy to fall into echo chambers where we only interact with those we agree with. And as a result, our blind spots go unexposed. Third, the Christian community is committed. These people were dedicated to each other. After all, who needs the virtues that Paul just listed? Virtues like patience, forgiveness, bearing with one another. If there isn't a level of commitment. They're committed to the same Lord, having been called by him in one body. And they're committed in their purpose. They exist to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus. Meanwhile, the community promised by social media is usually low on commitment. It's easy to cut and run. You can just unfollow someone when they annoy you. You can block them when they offend you. And if your goals or your purpose change, you can probably sneak out without anyone knowing. And few, if any, real consequences. The Christian community is physical. It's diverse. And it's committed. And social media simply cannot replicate that. It may be able to supplement or assist or even enhance the Christian community. But it can never replace it. The church, an institution put in place by the God of the universe called together by faith in his son and indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit cannot be matched with even the best algorithms. Every Christian needs the kind of community that only a local church can offer. But what about communication? Well, for that, we turn to the book of James. James is immensely practical. It's very down to earth. It's sometimes been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And it has a great deal to say about speech. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. 
Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, business of God. Let's be honest. Does social media encourage us to follow God's command in these verses? Does it reinforce a willingness to listen? A reservation to speak? And the discipline of keeping your cool? The answer is no. Social media encourages us to speak first and listen later. It spurs us and nudges us to speak early and often. It turns conversations into arguments. It enables us to assume the worst about those we're speaking with. And it rewards the loudest expressions of outrage. It doesn't exactly line up with James 1, 19 and 20, does it? But look at James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Maybe the most challenging passage of the entire book. James says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. While these words apply especially to leaders in the church, they're not only for leaders in the church. So let's ask again. Does social media encourage us to tame our tongues? Or does it feed our sinful inclination to let them run wild? I think we can all admit it's the second. And considering we were just speaking about community, we should beware our tongue's ability, or maybe even our keyboard's ability, to destabilize and deal death to a community. Boasting, slander, cursing people made in God's image, gossip and untruth, it's all there. And lest we be tempted to dispel James's warnings as over the top, 
Remember Jesus' words in Luke 6.45. That out of the abundance of the heart, our mouths speak. Sometimes out of the abundance of our hearts, our fingers type. Our careless words. Not just in person. Not just on the phone. But on social media. Can hurt our fellow believers. And can harm our credibility with non-believers. Finally, James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. James writes, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? When we speak evil against our siblings in Christ, when we attempt to read hearts, attribute motives, and pronounce condemnations, We place ourselves in a position that only God is qualified to assume. And does social media help us avoid this error? I'm afraid not. When the person we're speaking to, when the person we're speaking about is just a picture on a screen, we tend to forget that they are in fact real people. Made in God's image. And possibly a sibling in Christ. We tend to forget that they are people with complexities, strengths, weaknesses, wisdom, and experiences. And when we forget those facts, it becomes that much easier to dehumanize, judge, and condemn people. In ways that we are not qualified to do. Now, there is a lot more that could be said about what Christians expect of social media, what we think about it, or how we use it. We could talk about the sin of jealousy, the fear of missing out, the temptation to treat our life as finding our contentment and the number of likes and follows we get, the ease with which social media enables bullying and piling on, or simply good old-fashioned distraction and poor use of time. Now, again, good can be done by, through, and with social media. If we didn't believe that, the church wouldn't have social media accounts. But social media is also a powerful weapon that is particularly prone to backfire in the hands of sinners like us. It can never live up to the biblical image of community. And it doesn't always foster a Christian practice Of communication. Last week we asked the question Are we using technology or is technology using us? We also suggested a key question for discerning our relationship with technology. The question simply Can I glorify God with this thing? Whatever it is. Well, this morning I'll add one more question that may aid us in discernment. Not just with this topic, but with others as well. 
is this thing making me more like Jesus? Is this making me more like Jesus? The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. This is one of those passages that every time I read it, I think, I need to read this every single morning. So maybe you will too. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul goes on to list marks of the true Christian, is what your Bible might say in the headline. But what are the characteristics? What are the virtues? What are the identifiers of what a Christian does? Who a Christian is? What a Christian looks like? And we must ask ourselves, can my use of social media be reasonably understood as an act of worship? Like Paul said in verses 1 and 2. Is it making me more like the world or more like Christ? Is it renewing my mind to discern and pursue God's will? Or is it clouding my mind or distracting my mind? Is social media growing me in sober judgment? Is it helping me better serve the church? Is it helping me mature in love, hate evil, and hold fast to what is good? You can go down the list throughout the rest of the chapter and ask, is social media helping me be more like this in Romans 12? Is it helping me be more or less like Jesus? That's a question that all of us who use it would be wise to ask ourselves before we log in, post, like, share, follow, or subscribe. Life in Christ is better than life online. Christian community, the beautiful, difficult, glorious web of relationships, commitments, responsibilities, and privileges that makes up a local church is way more demanding than social media. It will test your patience, but it is also far more precious than any digital community you'll ever find. And Christian communication, which social media doesn't exactly encourage, is life-giving and God-glorifying. Now, there are other good forms of community and communication out there. So what makes the Christian form so much better, so unique? It's God himself. Our ways of practicing community and communication are established by the Father, centered around the Son, and empowered by the Spirit. And even at its best, that simply isn't the case with anything else. So may we use social media wisely. May we use it well. For many of us, that may mean using it sporadically. 
Let it serve as a supplement to the real thing. Community built around Christ himself. And may our communication, our speech, our words, and even our typing reflect the character of the Lord who has saved us. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for the church. Thank you that for 2,000 years, the church has lived on. At times, the church has been beleaguered. At times, it has been marginalized. At times, it has been stamped down and persecuted. And inevitably, there have been times throughout history where some new development arose and people thought that this would be the death of the church and the church would no longer be necessary and it would be proved to be outdated. But that simply hasn't happened and it simply won't happen. A gift of your grace to a fallen world. It truly is a divine institution and it's better than any other community we're striving for or looking for. So, Lord, help us embrace the community of brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the privilege of being part of this community, that we're only grafted in by the body and blood of Christ. So, Lord, thank you for bringing us into this royal priesthood, this holy nation of believers across time and space. And, Lord, help us communicate well. I pray that our speech would be seasoned with salt, that we would... Speak in ways that glorify you, that we would write in ways that glorify you. We would type in ways that glorify you. Our forms of speech change. The ways that we speak may change with time, but that truth remains that out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. So, Lord, give us hearts that love you. Give us hearts that are growing in holiness And I pray that that would be reflected by the words that leave our mouths. Help our speech be glorifying to you. And Lord, again, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Good, healthy community is great. And kind, hospitable, thoughtful communication is wonderful. But again, what makes Christian community Christian and what makes Christian communication Christian is Christ. So Lord, help us center what we do and what we say and who we are around your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. We ask this all in his name. Amen.